Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Our Bible reading this evening is from the book of Hebrews. If you'd like to turn in your church Bibles to page 1211, you'll be able to follow along. Page 1211, Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation? We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Great, so Tom is going to come and preach to us in a minute, but before he did so, I thought it would be good for us to find out a little bit about him, because maybe we don't know much about him. Tom, tell us about yourself. Um, (laughs) Well, it's a treat to be here. Uh, It's such an amazing church you have, such a wonderful thing. Um, I'll get on to that in a minute. Um, So I'm the middle of three brothers. I have an older brother who I was always trying to beat everything and a younger brother who I was always trying to make sure didn't beat me at anything. Uh, So it meant that I grew up uh, loving sports, and uh, as a family we played lots of board games. My parents were both math teachers, and um, Boggle was a big night out for us. And uh, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, I met my wife um, a number of years ago. We have four boys, uh, and we live up in... So we've been in Croydon for 10 years. Nice. Good. So lots and lots of boys in your family then. (laughs) Yeah, my wife Leslie does very well. She keeps us all under control. Brilliant. So what do you think is the best thing about living in Croydon, Tom? Mm. Well, uh, we actually came to Croydon. uh, We were sent by a church in Putney uh, to plant a a vineyard church here. And we didn't know it very well. And... um, I know the first time that I walked, at least, down the high street, or it's not actually high street, it's North End, uh, I was really intimidated. And I just thought, we we were trying to start a church, and and it was really just our family. And I thought, I've got to try and speak to all these people. And there's so many people of so many different nations. Mm -hmm. And initially, it was so intimidating. But actually, it's become the thing we love the most. Mm -hmm. Um, We love the diversity there is. In this uh, borough, uh, we love the fact that you meet people who've grown up in just such different spaces and places, mm-hmm. and they teach us so much. Like it's it's immense, immensely humbling. So uh, we love that, uh, among several other things. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. What is the best thing about being a church leader? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, I was actually, my wife and I, we, when we were just first married, we, we led a church for a couple of, a youth church for a couple of years. And I was terrible at it. And actually I quit and I said, I'm never going to do this again. Um, and uh, really just the Lord told us we had to. So, <laughs> so I didn't do it because I thought like it was a great option. Um, but it is a privilege, I think, to see people's lives. Just a couple of weekends ago, we had a, a young guy in our church who died of cancer. His funeral was on a Friday. Mm. There was a Nigerian lady who had an incredible Nigerian 50th party on the Saturday. And there was a young couple who got married on the Sunday. Mm. And it's just to be in each of those spaces in a way that you actually are right in the center of everything. Mm. It's so incredible. I mean, that would, in Nigerian, I now know, Nigerian birthday parties the pastor is right at the center of it which I didn't realize before I went Uh, and so it's just that is a treat to really have people trust you with with things in their lives and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm so grateful for that Mm -hmm. great thanks Tom we're really glad you've come to speak to us this evening let me just pray for you before you do so thank you father god we just praise you for the privilege of being able to hear from Tom this evening. We praise you for the privilege of opening your word and allowing your spirit to bring it alive for us. 
And we ask that you would do that now through the words that Tom speaks. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, Natasha has been incredibly helpful to us as a church, and, and, and in many ways, I feel so unqualified to speak into an Anglican context. Um, I actually was brought to faith in, in an Anglican church, uh, St. Paul's Church in Cheam, and uh, they, they did so much good to us there. They mentored me and invested in us. Um, and, and Natasha, when we came to uh, Croydon, really helped us think about what it might look like to reach out to refugees and to internationals. And it was really through her kindness uh, that we have now been able to do work with uh, English lessons for, for people. And so just immensely grateful to that, immensely grateful uh, to the Church of England as being a space that nurtured me and loved me. And my brother, actually, is, he's one of them. He, he's, got a, <laughs> he's got the proper, he's a proper one. Uh, and, uh, and I just appreciate him and the training he's had. Uh, uh, and so as Vineyard, you may or may not have even heard of what Vineyard is. Uh, we, we sang two vineyard songs today, which I, which I was delighted by. Uh, and uh, we just humbly come as people who want to love Jesus. And uh, I hope, I, having met John and got to know him, uh, and, and you should know that John is truly exceptional. I mean, he's an incredible, you, you have chosen very well with your vi- vicar, it's what you call them in these circles, isn't it? Your vicar. Correct? Yes? Okay, good. I want to get the terminology correct. Uh, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. And I know he's incredibly bright. And so uh, it was a bit intimidating being asked to s- start a series. You know, it's nice to come in midway through a series where somebody's already done all the, the sort of the foundations. But you're not going to get any foundations today. We're just going to go talk a bit about Jesus. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, we just want to thank you and tell you it's sometimes when you're in a space, you can sometimes not realize the preciousness of what it is. And so as an outsider coming in, if I just want to humbly tell you, like, what you have is really, truly amazing. It's a real work of the Lord. And um, I might even look at what the staff vacancies are just in case there's, a, <laughs> there's an option. Um, so... In this letter, whoever wrote it, we're not totally sure, are we? Um, It begins incredibly with saying, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many ways. I just want to remind you that God loves to talk to you. That's that's what he loves to do. God uh, is a God very different from how many people see God. Um, in this day, we think, in the time of when this letter was written, Epicureanism was becoming quite a significant philosophy, which, which uh, a guy called Epicurus uh, really voiced that the gods are distant. They actually, they're not particularly interested in this earth, and they're certainly not particularly interested in human beings. And many commentators would say that if if people do have a concept of God today, most people would have that concept of God. That the gods, if they are interested uh, in people, it's like kind of for their own sake. Um, 
And, and Hebrews just reminds us again that God is a God who loves to speak to us because he loves us. He, he loves to talk to you. He wants to communicate with you. It's what he's always loved to do. I've just been in, in Scotland. My younger brother lives in Glasgow, and he turned 40. And so he wanted to, he's trying to bag Munros. Do you, you know, do you know that concept? There's, I think there's about 280 mountains in Scotland, I think, which are called Munros. Everything's called different things in Scotland. Um, and so he's trying to get them all in his lifetime. And he invited me to go and join him. And um, the, there's just something going on in life. I won't tell you all the details, but just I had to make a decision. And I just really wasn't sure. And I was just like, Lord, I, I don't want to make this decision based on my own thoughts or what might be sensible or best. I really want you to tell me, what would you have me do this or not? And uh, just been praying that and asking God to speak to me on that for several weeks, like wrestling with it. And really, like one day I think one thing, another day I think another thing. And just uh, in Scotland, for some strange reason, I guess you just get away, don't you? And things are different. And I just woke up one morning and I was like, I need to read Psalm 127. And just as I read that psalm, it's like, exactly the clarity exactly what the lord was saying was just present and and that is his heart to you he wants to speak to you he's always spoken to people he spoke to adam and eve in a garden he spoke to noah in fields full of mud he spoke to abraham over a slap-up meal he spoke to joseph while he was lying in his bed he spoke to moses on a mountain in the wilderness he spoke to david as he looked up at the heavens he spoke to Elijah as he listened to music. He spoke to Ezekiel as he sat by a river. And then Nathaniel, this guy who sat under a tree, sees Jesus, the one who God speaks most profoundly and most amazingly through. And uh, the, the vision we have, isn't it, in, in uh, the, what we call the transfiguration, is of really... Elijah and Moses representing all of these guys through the whole of the Old Testament. Everybody who's had God speak to them and show them things. And they're all like, this is the one, listen to him. They're all pointing at Jesus, like just listen, listen to Jesus. And Hebrews as a letter joins us in that. So God loves to talk to us. Now, in our church, we repeat things. So can you, can you just tell me, God loves to talk to us? Oh, it does work. That's wonderful. Um, second thing is God needs to talk to us. He needs to talk to us. The book of Hebrews was written to Christians. Uh, and we're not to- I'm not totally sure. Maybe some people would be. Uh, but the, the Christians probably had been Jews or God-fearers at least, and they were very aware of what it meant to know God and of the Old Testament. And they'd come to faith in Jesus at some point. And these are people who've they, they've really sought God. They really know the scriptures. If you read through the book of Hebrews, you're like, it's just quote after quote after quote after quote of the Old Testament. They know the scriptures. They've given themselves totally and utterly to reading the book. They... Uh, They understand who God is, and yet they're still prone to veering off. They're still prone 
to veering off. God needs to talk to us because we like a bowling ball down the bowling alley. It just, you know, like you set it off and it's headed right for the strike and it just veers off into the gutter. It's just this thing about us as human beings. We just, for whatever reason, there's this thing that we just need God to keep on talking to us because we keep on, don't we? Just like, how did I end up here? He describes it with like, don't drift away in chapter 2, verse 1, or don't neglect the salvation, chapter 2, verse 3. And actually, in this thing, I mean, we're grateful that God loves to talk to us and he needs to talk to us because every, every letter, isn't it, in the New Testament, apart from the Gospels and Acts, but every letter is to correct something, pretty much. Everything. We only have this because God has to correct. Did you know that God has to talk to you? You need him to talk to you because you, like a ball, are headed towards the gutter until he speaks to you. Like one of those my kids have used. Do you know that you get those barriers that bounce the ball and they're like, strike, Dad. I'm like, that does not count. But that's what he does. His words like become the barriers to prevent us. Now, for most people, the reality is that the reason we need God to speak to us is a heart thing and not a head thing. It's a heart thing and not a head thing. Our heart just starts to drift. It's not often an intellectual thing. And uh, it seems that the reason the Hebrews were thinking of going easy on Jesus, the Jesus part of the faith, was because they were getting some persecution. They hadn't yet been needing to shed blood, but they were getting a hard time because they were going for Jesus. And it was easier maybe just to back away from Jesus, still kind of worship the God, but let's just take the Jesus bit down a bit and let's just worship God like with the others. We're not quite sure why it goes on about angels so much. At least I'm not. And, um, you know, Joshua Harris, I'm fascinated by him as a guy who uh, would would describe himself as an ex-evangelical or a pioneer of the deconstruction movement. You know, he, uh, I've heard him say several times that he didn't leave Jesus because of a, initially because of a thought. It was because he didn't feel good to, to be around. It didn't feel good. His heart was lost first. And then later he found reasons to explain the shift in his heart. And so I just want to encourage you, which I think is what Hebrews uh, as a letter is seeking to encourage us. Uh, We boldly approach the throne of grace with our hearts in love, just to love Jesus, just to to make Jesus the treasure of our hearts. I think that's what the Lord has asked me to come, humbly, to ask you, is Jesus the treasure of your heart? Is he the treasure of your heart? In the various different contexts I've been in, I I love the whole church of Jesus. I think I love it in a traditional environment. But there is a temptation in a traditional environment to start replacing Jesus with what we just always, we've not done it like that around here. And so the tradition becomes higher than the person of Jesus. I've spent a lot of time in evangelical churches and 
It's very easy in evangelical churches to replace our vision for church growth or the latest model that seems to be working in another space. And that becomes more important than just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I've allegedly done some theology in academic contexts and it's very easy to focus on books and what the latest theologian is saying instead of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We have some people in our church who are amazing on social justice. It's very easy in the context of social justice to think, I just won't mention Jesus. Let's just be really kind. Jesus stops being the treasure of our hearts. We love the move of the Spirit. You're praying, I love that. Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on us. Uh, I've met so many people who the latest prophetic vision they've had, the latest sense of what the Holy Spirit might be saying to them becomes the highest thing. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Sometimes I just wonder, who will look to just elevate Jesus? Just love Jesus. Just prioritize Jesus. Like he is the supreme revelation of everything for us. I wonder if... I know, actually, many of you, you're all in for Jesus. I just want to encourage you. That is the brilliant, brilliant thing, to be all in for Jesus. Because when we actually see Jesus and hear Jesus, we would be like Moses and Elijah. We'd be like the author of the Hebrews to say, it's all, he is the greatest. We boldly approach him and we find him better than anything else. And actually then we won't give up Jesus for the approval of any other person. We wouldn't trade Jesus, like your friends in Tajikistan, they wouldn't trade Jesus for, for making life a bit easier because Jesus is everything. He's everything. So I, I really just, for some of you, just want to say, keep cultivating Jesus as the desire of your heart. Maybe for a few others, it's like cornflakes. Have you forgotten how good they taste? Do you remember that advert? Have you forgotten how good Jesus tastes? Have you forgotten how great he is? In verse 2, he's described as the heir of all things. You know, you might be a collector. You might like to collect stuff. Uh, my kids collect cards and stuff. But, you know, my brother used to collect fossils. You might... You might find that you, you're very drawn to stuff, to gadgets, to cars, to houses. and Jesus is the heir of all these things. Every time we find these things, we pursue them and say, all of this ultimately is going to be yours, Jesus. So I'll pursue these things to you. You are the heir of all of this. Jesus, in verse 3, is the radiance of the glory of God. Maybe you're somebody who's spiritually inclined. Maybe you're intellectually curious and you love to think about stuff and throw things around in your mind. Maybe there's stimulation that you pursue in, I, want, I really want to know God. Well, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his being. So if you find Jesus, he is the satisfaction of every yearning and intellectual curiosity that you're seeking. Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. You might be a scientist. You might love to know, how does this thing work? What's the, what's the kind of explanation of, what, of why this stuff does what it does? 
You might be creative. You might love to produce stuff, music or art or things. Inspiration, you know, ultimately all drips down from Jesus. If you prioritize Jesus, you get all that stuff and more. Jesus has made purification for our sins, verse 3. Maybe you feel like you're dishonest. Maybe you feel you're disappointing to the people around you. Maybe you feel that you're dirty or you've been denounced. Jesus can give you the elusive cleansing that you need and desire over and over and over again. He's made purification for sins. The justice, verse 8, that's dispensed from his throne will know no end. No, no end. Maybe you're weak and fearful. Maybe you have a heart for those who are weak and fearful, for the dispossessed and the marginalized. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who will dispense the justice, what you're yearning for and crying for. It will flow from his throne in a way that nobody can ever stop it, ever change it. If you're failing and frail, you can find refuge in Jesus. Above everything else, beyond everything else, greater than everything else. Jesus has been anointed with gladness beyond all of his companions. You might be a hedonist, you might love joy and fun and having a great time. And Jesus is ultimately the one from whom all joy, all joy flows. And so as you pursue Jesus, you find all the joy and all the fun and all the excitement you're seeking ultimately will flow from him. And verse 11 to 13 takes us even further. This universe and all other powers and all angels and all spirits, they're going to wear out or they're going to be rolled up or they're going to fall on the ground before Jesus. Before Jesus. Power, a sense that they are something or this is something. The universe, everything is just going to be rolled up or fall on the ground or wear out. And Jesus will be there forever. The one for all eternity. For all eternity. Who will release joy and intellectual satisfaction and justice and forgiveness and love and everything forever. That's why we put him at the top. Because he provides the satisfaction and the solidity that nothing else can. Just to finish, there's a lady in our church. She grew up in Nigeria uh, and her mum died when she was five or six years old. I can't remember exactly the age. In not very nice circumstances, I think she was murdered. She came to this nation in a marriage uh, that turned out to be not what she thought when she had kids and her husband got a visa through the kids, he then made all kinds of false allegations against her. And in her context, a man's word is the only word that counts. So she was shunned by her whole wider family. She spent years battling with authorities. She had no legal rights to be here anymore because she'd been rejected. She worked three jobs and employed several lawyers to help her try and get her visa status sorted out. And each time... What they promised, they didn't do. They just took her money. And she came to our church one day. She loves the Lord. And just, there was another person at church who said, they just felt, they didn't, didn't know all this stuff. They said, I think we should pray for her. 
Can we just... And we've never done this, really. We've never done this. But we just overwhelmingly felt Jesus said, put her at the front and just give her a plate and say, look, if anybody in this room feels stirred, we didn't explain the story. Anybody in this room feels stirred just to give something today to this woman, would you do it? And you're like, I mean, who brings cash to church? I don't know. We don't, we don't do a collect, cash collection at our church. Like, maybe nobody brought in a thing. And even if they have, maybe they wouldn't. And just person after person after person after person. She was given, I think she sent me an email, £842.57. And she said, I've been asking Jesus to see me and care for me. Because nobody else can. And nobody else does. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we celebrate Jesus. He does things in people's lives that are beyond anything you could imagine. He's so wonderful. He's so amazing. She said, never for the rest of my time can I say how much Jesus has done for me. He heard me. He loved me. He is my great reward forever. And a few months later, we started praying, as you've been, for revival. We call it contending for a spiritual awakening in Croydon and beyond. We've prayed for you. And uh, I know you've been praying for all other churches, including us. We, we want to see Jesus awaken every church, don't you? Every heart. He's so incredible. And a few months later, this woman, we, we, she lives in the north of Croydon. And she would catch two buses to get to prayer meetings that started at 7 o'clock in the morning on Wednesdays. And she said she actually felt like she loved Jesus so much, she's so desperate for others to have the Jesus that she had, that she gave up work every Wednesday for a month just so she could come and pray for others to know Jesus. So I just want to pray for you, if we can, for the fresh, this awakening, this yearning that you have, the spirit of the living God, would you give us a rampant curiosity for Jesus? Would you set him high in our affections, above everything, beyond everything? Because when he is the highest, such wonderful things flow into our lives and into our world. The way we do this in our church, and I, I've checked and I've told this is okay. We just like to leave some space and invite Jesus to speak and to move. So maybe if you are happy to do that, we just say, Jesus, would you, would you move? There he is, he's already speaking. I he speaks in many ways, in many ways, in many ways. Jesus, would you speak to each and every heart in this room? Holy Spirit, would you fall again as you've been falling through the whole service? you break our hearts for where they've become hard, where they've been veering off, 
into a gutter, would you bounce us back to aim directly for you, Jesus? Jesus. A number of you where you when you've been reading the Bible, it's just been hard work. Just pray. Just feel like the Lord. You just feel it in your heart right now. Just that it would burn again. As you read the scriptures, it would burn again in your heart. Oh God, cause us to love your book again. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.